This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. My goodness, we got a big, big show today. My list of stuff to talk about is overflowing right now. I always make a list of kind of a rundown of everything we're going to get to in a given day. And uh, it's an embarrassment of riches on this fine Thursday. So I hope you enjoy today's show. Randy Johnson covers Gopher Football. will be with me here in a little while to talk about That team, talk about the season getting ready to start in two weeks from today, um, playing New Mexico State and Jerry Kill, um, head coach there right now. So interesting subplot, but Randy and I will get into more of kind of who's looking good right now, what is the offense shaking out to look like, things like that, kind of a a breakdown of where things look at this point in their progression. Got to get to some TV developments. Bally Sports North app will launch September 26th, giving you another option on how to watch local teams without needing a full subscription to anything else. I'll get the details on that. The Timberwolves schedule is out. Some interesting things in there. And Kirk Cousins apparently dropped uh, some colorful language in his return to the field Wednesday from the COVID list. Want to get into that a little bit as well. But first, what did I miss? Got to start with the Twins today, as we often do in these summer months, because some interesting developments on Wednesday. Um, some of them good, but with the big one, not so good. I mean, the good, obviously, they win again over the Royals. This one, 4 to nothing, sweep that three-game series kind of right the ship after that tough West Coast trip back to just one game behind Cleveland. Now Cleveland did win on Wednesday as well, beat beat Detroit in a weird game, by the way. Cleveland scored six runs in the eighth inning after striking out three times. How is that possible? Well, on that third strikeout, ball got away from the catcher, guy reaches first base. They proceed to have a massive rally in that inning. So Cleveland does win that game. Chicago White Sox lose yesterday to Houston, so now it's Cleveland by a game over the Twins. Twins, um, a game clear of the White Sox, so that's where you kind of stand now. And Cleveland and Chicago, by the way, play each other this weekend, so somebody will be winning and somebody will be losing out of those two this weekend. We'll see how that sorts itself out. So Twins get a good win. Jose Miranda with a a home run early in that game to give them a 2-0 lead. He's been going really well again, as 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 he has been as his, during much of this rookie season. But the big story in this game, um, you know, outside of winning the game, and outside of by the way, uh, Emilio Pagan pitching a decent bullpen stint, but having to do it earlier than usual, he pitched two scoreless innings. And by the way, Emilio Pagan now a better ERA than Taylor Rogers. We've made a big deal about that trade. That really hasn't worked out for either team. Uh, but Emilio Pagan now a 4.87 ERA. Taylor Rogers, who has since been traded from the Padres to the Brewers, is having a rough go of it now with the Brewers. His ERA 4.89 on the season. But the reason Pagan had to pitch so early in this game is the big story of the game. Uh, Tyler Molly. The, uh, the, the pitcher the Twins got at the trade deadline, the, the starting pitcher who had been pretty good for them so far, had been good for the Reds before the trade, left the game in the third inning with some right shoulder discomfort. That's not what you want to hear from your big deadline acquisition, especially when your starting pitching is already thin, especially when you're counting on someone to you know probably make eight or nine more starts down the stretch here and get you to the finish line. 
Let's hear first, before we get too alarmed, from Rocco Baldelli after the game talking about what, what he saw and what uh, what he thinks at this point. Uh, he's going to get an MRI. Um, there was nothing uh, acute that was bothering him. Um, he had some general, um, I think, soreness, uh, but he, he didn't mention anything that was painful. Um, you know, he said the ball wasn't coming out, obviously, the way that he wanted, um, but he was still able to pitch. Uh, that being said, um, you know, there were, there were moments um, and discussions that were had uh, in the first inning or two because we knew the ball wasn't coming out the way that it normally would. Um, uh, you know, sometimes it's, you know, you don't let it get past a pitch or two. Um, he didn't look like he was in any sort of distress. The, you know, the velos were just down. Um, and I would say, you know, once we get to that point in the game, um, we did see the, uh, the velo actually tick up at the end of the second inning to 90 and 92, which give you, gives you kind of a glimmer of, uh, you know, or of a thought that he's going to end up, you know, okay and pitch through this. And then he ends up, you know, in the third and fourth inning, exactly, you know, closer to where he wants to be. Um, and it's just a day where... Truthfully, the ball's not coming out great, but I didn't have that feeling as we started, you know, getting into the third inning and watching him continue to pitch. Now, here's the deal. Now, we can we can be, you know, cautiously optimistic at this point. That's fine. Um, if, if there's nothing that they think is structurally wrong with him, okay, that's that's better news than, you know, hey, we think this is something serious. That said, the Twins' track record with these guys they get in trades is not great. Think back to the trade earlier this year. We already referenced the Emilio Pagan portion of it. Chris Paddock, the starting pitcher they got in that trade, um, had a history of you know had his had a history of some trouble uh, with lingering injuries before he arrived. Had to be shut down right at the beginning of the year and out for the year now as he underwent surgery. Think about the 2019 trade deadline when they needed to shore up the bullpen and got Sam Dyson. Sam Dyson ends up pitching, I think, what, 12 games for them, has an ERA over seven, shut down with arm problems, misses all of the 2020 season, in fact, has not pitched since the Twins shut him down in 2019. That was the end of his career. So that, that was a disaster of a trade in more ways than one, by the way. So if you think about that, you start to get a little worried, and then you look into the history of Tyler Molly and... um you know, Tyler Malley has is, is got some, you know, right before he came here, the, the history was he got shut down for, you know, a good portion of July. They put him on the injured list on July 6th with, uh, I believe, the, uh, the, 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 the phrasing at that point was right shoulder strain. I'm just reading from the Cincinnati.com story from, from when that happened. He said he had some discomfort in recent starts. He had an MRI that showed some inflammation. Their plan at that point was to shut him down through the All-Star break and then have him pitch again, and that is actually what he did. They shut him down starting – he made his last start uh, made his last start on, I believe, um, Tyler Bally made his last start on, uh, on, on July 2nd, I think it was, and then, uh, then didn't come back until July 24th. So, you know, shut him down for a few weeks before the All-Star break had him out during the break. Then he pitched July 24th and July 30th, pitched quite well, six innings in both those games. Looked like the velocity was fine. He won both of those starts, and then he gets traded to the Twins after that kind of second start, and they were probably waiting to see and look and make sure he was okay. Comes to the Twins, makes his next two starts, does pretty well. You know, he had the, the start against Toronto where he, he gave up gave up home runs, but he you know he pitched six innings. 
Last start against the Angels, six shutout innings, and but then this game he comes out, the velocity is down, and again, now he's he's going for some more tests to make sure here. Now, maybe it's just the kind of thing where he needs to be rested again, they can make a few more starts, maybe they're going to kind of coax him to the finish line and can still get some effective starts out of him, but that is a concern, especially since he's already been shut down with inflammation once this season, and because this is a guy... You're counting on next year as well. You want to make sure this is not a lingering issue. So that is a concern at this point because, you you know, as much as the bullpen needed help, needed fixing, and got that help at the deadline, the, the starting rotation needed just as much. And he seemed like he was, uh, Mally seemed like he was, was someone who was giving them that, you know, giving them that uh, top of the rotation, middle of the rotation juice that could really help them get to the finish line. If he's out, for any extended period of time, that's going to be very much more challenging for them to get to the finish line and win this division. So watch for that development as time goes on. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, premixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. I am happy to welcome Randy Johnson back onto Daily Delivery. Randy, of course, covers the Gopher football team for the Star Tribune. He's been busy in the month of August, getting ready for early September. We're two weeks out, Randy, from first game of the season. And plenty to sort out still with this team. I thought this was a good kind of good kind of point to check in with you and kind of see what you're seeing so far from a team that has, you know, frankly, some pretty high expectations and, and probably should based on, you know, the trajectory they've been on, based on uh, the opportunity in the Big Ten this year. Um, from you know, from from what you've been able to see from the open practices, from what's been open to, you know, the media and and fans. And maybe we can start with, kind of, what do you think? You know, as we think about identity, as we think about kind of which side of the ball might kind of carry a little bit more of the the load, especially early on. What what are we talking about at this point? You know, I'd, I'd say right now, you know, the defense uh, it's it's a, a unit that's being retooled a bit up front, especially, but they've been pretty impressive in training camp, I think, so far. Uh, a lot of speed back back there. A lot of um, you know, really good secondary. I would say they'll have this year. Um, Tyler Newbin, safety's uh, been kind of a star of the training camp. I, I would say on defense, uh, had a, a very good corner back there, and, and Justin Wally, who's looked really good. They've they're developing some depth back there too. I, I think that could be a strength up front. They they want to rotate like eight, nine, ten defensive linemen in there, and they've been doing that. Um, Joe Rossi is. Likes what he sees out of out, out of his guys up front so far. Um, Troll Carter's been a big presence in the middle. Thomas Rush looks pretty good on the on the at the end. Um, yeah, they're they're putting things together pretty well. It, it seems. Now the defense last year really did carry the load in a lot of cases. I mean, they, I think you wrote in uh, five things we learned from Gopher football the final public practice that was. Uh, StarTribune.com a couple of days ago, you wrote, you know, defense ahead of the offense, but the defense probably should be because they were allowed the third fewest yards per game in FBS last season, 278.8. You know, and some of that's the ball control offense probably, you know, doesn't you know limit some of those opportunities for the other yes. team. But, you know, this is a, you know, this is a team that, that should be pretty good there, even if they did lose some depth on the, uh, on the defensive line. 
Yeah, that, that's that's the thing. And then it, it, it does have to work in, in concert with the offense. The, the Gophers had a very good uh, time of possession last year uh, among among the top five in the nation. And that, that works together pretty well when, they, when they're keeping the ball away from the opponent's defense. Uh, I'm sure on offense they'll want to uh, pass a lot more often than they did last year. Uh, they were among the, the, the fewest in the country, you know, just barely ahead of the service academies that, that run, run the uh, option offense. So I think that's one thing that with – Kirk Shiraka back as as coordinator. You'll, I would say, you'll see the passing game being more more of a factor. Now that said, um, where would you where would you say the offense is right now in its evolution? I mean, they've got a lot of guys, you know, back for you know even the sixth seasons when we're talking about Tanner Morgan, you know, guys like uh, guys like Mo Ibrahim as well. But certainly, some probably going to be some finding of their footing as they as they kind of figure this out, especially with all the uh, all the changes on the offensive line. Yeah, that's that's up front. It's going to be uh, interesting. Uh, they lose four starters. The one starter they got coming back is a very good one, uh, John Michael Schmitz. Uh, basically, uh, in the watch list for the Remington Award, as top center in the country. He's been on some uh, preseason All America list at center, so uh, you know he'll be anchoring that line. Uh, the interesting thing about the line is that they're inexperienced, but they're uh, a lot of guys who have been around for a while. Um, P.J. Fleck is very high on their left tackle, Arianti Ursary, who uh, started as a true freshman against Nebraska in 2020 and acquitted himself very well. So it's it's kind of a sign of the, the maturing of a program where uh, you're, you're reloading on, on, on the line with guys that aren't necessarily younger younger guys. They're, they're more upperclassmen. Speaking of that, um... You've got, uh, we, we talked about Mo Ibrahim already and Trey Potts. Those guys, you know, that was a big part of the story last year was the injuries to both of those players, how that impacted, you know, what, what they were able to do on offense and kind of how dynamic the offense was, especially in the running game. Um, how have those guys looked so far in coming back? Oh, they've, they've, they've looked very good. You know, it, they've taken contact and haven't had any issues. They, Mo seems to be his old self, you know, seems to have the burst. Um, can't really tell how much a difference that with that Achilles it makes, but it doesn't, it doesn't, he doesn't seem slower. Let's put it that way. Okay. So uh, he's, he's looked good too. Uh, you know, he's a guy that uh, did pretty well in, in open space last year when he would get loose. Uh, yeah. He, he looks like he's a little, little, little heavier this year too. So a little bit more power there. Um, yeah. They, I think they're pretty pleased with what they've seen so far. Um. A quote from uh, Tanner Morgan that caught my eye from what you wrote the other day, talking about kind of the offense and the progression. Uh, we've still got a long way to go before we kick off September 1st. Is that something that should be concerning just because we are only a couple weeks away? Or is that just a quarterback kind of saying we, we you know, we're, we're, we're in the process here and it's going to be okay. Yeah. I think it's more of the latter that they're in, they're in the process there. They're, they're, it's, you know, basically uh, they're, they're looking at, um, Timing might be a little off at times. That's 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 what I've kind of noticed on 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 Monday and some of the passes, some of the routes. Uh, the, the one practice that I thought they were pretty impressive in was the uh, the one at the stadium last week on sure. Thursday. Um, both sides of the ball it was pretty spirited, and um, you know they there was some good give and take, and the offense had had its moments too. Yeah, and that like you said, I mean that's that's going to be a big piece of things though because they're certainly looking to diversify a little bit. The passing attack wasn't really, you know, much of a, a threat last year as they really looked to that to that ball control offense. As we think about the evolution of this offense again with Kirk Shiraka back, 
what, what do you expect as, as the year goes on? What, what would be like a good, you know, if, if they're going to achieve what they want to achieve on offense, what, what will it look like, you know, from a, you know, game to game or even series to series uh, basis? I think balance is, is one thing they'll be striving for. And Kirk defines balance as whatever it takes to win a game. But I think you'll see a situation where you, they have a, an uh, outstanding tight end in Brevin Spanford. I think you'll see him being used quite a bit. Uh, you, you'll see uh, the, the wideouts should be much healthy, healthier than they were last season when Chris Ottman Bell was, was dinged up from the start from training camp and that lingered through the good chunk of the season. Um, you know, he, he's healthy. He, he's he should he's got a lot to prove. Um, I, I'm really intrigued by uh, Dalen Wright, uh, the Texas A&M transfer who. Average over 20 yards a catch last year in limited time. Um, I think you'll you'll see, see him playing more often this year. Um, a good slot option and Mike Brown Stevens, who came on pretty strong last year too. Okay, a couple more things for you here, Randy. One, you mentioned a couple of guys just now. You mentioned Tyler Newbin in your piece the other day. Um, you know, junior safety who's having having himself a pretty good camp. Anybody else that, that jumps out at you in terms of? You know, people that have caught your eye and what you've been able to see or, or, or expanded thoughts on those guys? Uh, you know, I would say that uh, also in the, in the secondary, Jordan Howden, uh, veteran guy, he's, he's looked pretty good. Uh, uh, Terrell Smith, cornerback, um, he's a guy that uh, they're, they've been waiting on to put it all together, and he's had a pretty good camp. I would think he would be uh, helpful. Um, they got quite, quite a few new guys here, some transfers. Uh, Couple guys in the secondary, Beanie Bishop and Ryan Stapp. Um, you'll see those guys playing. Uh, Joe Rossi's pretty high on both of them. Couple more things, like I said, Randy. One, um, you can't ignore special teams. How is that shaking out so far? I think the kickings looked pretty decent uh, with both Matthew Trickett and um, Dr- uh, uh, Dragon Kessich. Uh, you know, they're they're not always going against uh, live, uh, um, you know, blocking type of schemes or anything like that. Uh, but they've, they've looked pretty good in, in practice. Uh, Mark Crawford, the punters, looked pretty good on the on his coffin corner kicks. Um, you know, it, that'll be something that plays out during the season. But so far, it looks like it should be a positive. They got some votes in the AP poll that came out a couple of days ago. You know, put up, puts them in like the low 30s in terms of overall rank. Does that seem fair to you for what you think of this team right now? Yeah, I think that's what, uh, you know, given what they lost last year and what they have coming back there. I would, I would have thought they'd be somewhere in the thirties in the upper twenties, right in there. I, I, I wasn't, I didn't think they'd probably crack the top 25. I know they've been in, in some people's polls, um, but I think it's, it, they've got plenty of a chance to work in, in that mix though. They, they should, uh, you know, the schedule sets up uh, favorably there. There's, you know, a couple big road games, but uh, you know, I, I think they it's set up where they could, they could make some hay this year with that schedule. And you talked about the schedule. It's, it starts September 1st against New Mexico State. Old friend Jerry Kill. I don't know if we can call him old friend, though. Maybe old foe. He's been a little bit, uh, not maybe a little bit, a lot uh, feisty as as time has gone on and, and was, uh, you know, again, talking about, you know, kind of his perceptions of the program and P.J. Fleck. I would hope that doesn't become necessarily too much of a distraction as time gets closer. But how do you imagine that storyline will will play into, you know, the opening week of the season? Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll certainly be asked. Uh, the one thing is that uh, New Mexico State opens the week before they, they have that zero-week game. So I'm not sure how much he'll be asked about it that week. Uh, he'll, 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 he might try to 
focus more on their opener against, uh, I believe it is Nevada. Um, and, you know, it'll, it'll be mentioned. It'll be, uh, you know, it is a storyline. Uh, and he, you know, he talked about it the other day and, you know, basically there's still a burr under his saddle over, over the situation when uh, Trey, uh, Tracy Clay has got fired. Um, so yeah, it's, um, I guess it'll be out there as long as he keeps it out there. Absolutely. Well, we'll see how that plays out. We'll see how the season plays out. I'm sure we'll be talking a whole lot more. Randy Johnson, good stuff. Go read his stuff. Start your beam, start your beam.com. We'll talk, we'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate it. Good stuff from Randy Johnson. As always, appreciate the chance to catch up with him, talk a little gopher football. I'm really intrigued by this season for the gophers, an opportunity for them to find another gear. They, they've been in they've been in a good spot in recent years with PJ Fleck, but if they can find another gear this year, all those sixth year seniors back on offense, they could be in line for a special season, but we got to see how this all plays out and what kind of balance they can achieve on offense. Speaking of the offense, Vikings Kirk Cousins returned to the field on Wednesday after missing five days due to COVID. He kind of joked a little bit that if he was going to miss five days, those were pretty good days. And he's right. You know, it's it's not uh, not a secret. He probably wouldn't have played much, if at all, in that preseason game. Then there's a bunch of off days. So if he's going to be on the shelf at all, that was a good time for it. Comes back. Sounds like he was pretty feisty in the, in this joint practice with the 49ers. I'm reading from Ben Gessling's story here. Um, he said, Cousins provided a surprisingly salty moment after a completion to Adam Thielen over the middle when he turned back toward his Vikings teammates and bellowed his, you like that, catchphrase with an uncharacteristically unprintable adverb as Vikings fans reacted with a mix of intrigue and excitement. Now, folks, a uh, special treat today. I have uh, ex- obtained exclusive audio of Kirk Cousins and what he said in that moment. Let's take a listen to that. Wow, sounds like more than one adverb maybe to me, but uh, certainly a salty Kirk Cousins. He said uh, said the joint practices, there's always a little bit more juice for obvious reasons. There's just a lot of familiarity after OTAs and after training camp. It's 15 weeks together of practice before you actually get to your first regular season game. You want to go against somebody different, so I think it was really valuable to have these practices, and Kevin O'Connell strategically wants to make sure we get a lot out of these two days. Um you know, not to make too much of this, but people were kind of having some fun with it on Twitter on Wednesday. Just you know, Kirk Cousins, not really known for not really known for that. Known for being a little bit more mild mattered, maybe a little bit more conservative with his language. This is kind of like Dad, Dad just kind of jumping in, like kind of the the, the square Dad jumping in and and and, and having some uh, having some fun. Maybe uh, you know, I don't, I wouldn't know anything about that as a father of three. You know, having a having a moment where the kids are like, wait, wait a minute, wait, Dad's trying to be cool. Um, so this is a, this is a dad's trying to be cool moment for Kirk Cousins and Hey, we'll see. We'll see if this is anything different or if this is just, you know, something that Cousins decided to try out and see how it looked. But, uh, whatever it was, it was a little bit interesting to me and it was like, it was interesting to a lot of other folks as well. Let's move on to the NBA Timberwolves schedule was released on Wednesday. Some interesting nuggets mixed in there. Um, you know, obviously every time the schedules get released, it's like, well, how big of a deal is this really? You know exactly kind of who, what teams they're going to play. It's just more like the order of things that gets released. You get to find out kind of, you know, patterns in the schedule. Um, so I think the biggest highlights of this for me were a Timberwolves has 16 
national TV games this season um, spanning ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. That is a lot. That is a signal that the NBA thinks this is going to be a competitive team, that this is a team that you know is on the rise, and for good reason. I mean, they won 46 games last season. They went and traded for Rudy Gobert this offseason. Everything in my head thinks they are set up for a run of three or four years where they should be competitive, winning in the 50-game range or more, depending on how things break. Um, so 16 national TV games, 12 of those, by the way, on the road. Um, don't know if that's not wanting to come to Minnesota. These these networks aren't dumb. Or someone else pointed out to me on Twitter, good point, that a lot of these are kind of second half of double header slots, <clears throat> which would be a lot of those Western time zone games, which would obviously be not here, but another one of those Western conference foes that the Wolves have to play. So that was a good point as well, but a lot of national TV games for the Wolves this season. Another point of interest is that the Wolves have a lot of home games early on. They start out at home with two right away against the Thunder and the Jazz. The Jazz game, an interesting one, of course, with the Rudy Gobert reunion against his old teammates in that second game of the season. Opening against the Thunder, that's kind of fun too because Chet Holmgren should be playing in that game for the Thunder. Obviously, the Mini Haha Academy product, former uh, former standout there, so that'll be a fun opener. But nine of the first twelve at Target Center, a chance to get out to a good start this season. Um, you know, you never know how those games are going to go, and there's some tough ones in there. Presumably, the Lakers will be tough, the Suns, the Bucks, but. You know, really a chance for them to get off to a good start this season and kind of show that they are serious about being a contender. So those are the highlights of the schedule to me. Again, most of it's just a rearranging or arranging of of all of the games, and so it's not all that all that meaningful. The NBA is trying to be the NFL and try to have these uh, have this kind of schedule release thing. But uh, hey, it's always interesting. By the way, I always crunch the numbers every year to see what the overlap is between Wolves and Wild Games. And this had been getting better in recent years. It feels like the leagues had kind of understood that it's not necessarily great for them to uh, to always be, you know, to, to have some of the same nights in common. But this year kind of got away from that. Wolves and Wild, by my calculations, play on the same night 37 times this year. That's almost half of each of their schedules. Um, I remember one year, this was like several years ago, that they actually did have exactly half 41 common dates. But, you know, 37 still feels like a lot to me. If you're a fan of both Minnesota, of of a lot of different Minnesota sports, if you like both of those teams, and there's maybe not a ton of crossover, but if you're just a general Minnesota sports fan, like, like some of us are, like me, I pay attention to all of this, both for my own interest, but also for work. Um, You know, you'd rather have those games spread out a little bit, but 37 common dates for those two teams this year, kind of a high number. Speaking of which, let's finish with the cooler. If you are going to watch both of those teams this this season, you have another option. Bally Sports North, the Bally Sports in general, um, has been talking for a while now about, about a standalone app product. Um, where basically you don't have to buy cable, you don't have to buy satellite, you don't even have to buy another streaming service. You just have to buy the Bally Sports Plus app. That now has a launch date of September 26th and will include NBA and NHL seasons. Price point on that is a little steep according to 
you know, probably according to a lot of you, $19.99 per month or $189.99 per year for access to just one channel, for access to those local teams. And the big caveat right now is that it does not yet include the Twins. They only have carriage agreements for a handful of MLB teams. They're working on the rest probably counting on people to sign up now if they are NBA or NHL fans and hoping that they will stick with it and that they'll be able to get baseball added by the spring. But that was, that's kind of the deal breaker for me, right? Um, I think, you know, I think this is worthwhile. I think I'll probably give this a shot for the winter because I'm going to want to watch the Wolves and the Wild and I can ditch some other things that I have right now and you can ditch some other things you have right now. I mean, the only streaming service that offers... Bally Sports North right now is DirecTV Stream, and that's like $89.99 a month. I think there's like an introductory special to, to, to jump on right away, but it's still going to be over 80 bucks a month. Um, and other, otherwise, you're talking about, you know, some kind of cable system or some kind of, you know, more expensive, you know, two-year contract uh, satellite system. Um, you know, these things used to be on Hulu, used to be on YouTube TV, used to be on Sling when those were first offered. And then, of course, like we've talked about many times, there was carriage disputes, um, you know, all sorts of problems with pricing, and those went away, you know, years ago at this point and have not come back. So this is another option, a viable option if you really only want your local teams, if you really only want that, you don't care about anything else. This is, a you know, a much lower price point than trying to do anything else, an illegal price point at that point. So little over a month away from that scheduled to launch uh, both of those, both the NBA and NHL seasons starting in October. So, you know, any kinks that need to be worked out from that September 26th launch date hopefully would be worked out pretty quickly if there are any, and you would have access to those teams. Now, again, like I said, I'm very curious to know how many people will go for that at that price point. It's been a good mix of reactions on Twitter. Some people saying, yeah, I'm going to do it. I want to see how this works. Some people saying, no way, that's too much. Some people just frustrated with parent company Sinclair and you know some of the some of the back and forth that's been going on up to this point and just won't support them with any more money. I'll be interested to see how many people go for this, how many people buy it and whether you know whether this is a model going forward because it just feels like everything's getting more and more fragmented to the point where you know at a certain point is it going to be any less expensive to have all of these various channels than it would be to have everything bundled together at once. I don't know. That's the future, though, going forward. There's going to be just different packages on different different carriers, and you have to decide what you want, what you don't want, and whether or not you can get it all at once or whether you kind of pick and choose in a little bit of an a la carte mode. But that was interesting to me. That was announced Wednesday, another option if you want to watch the Wild and the Wolves. That'll do it for today. Lavelle E. Neal III should be joining me on Friday's show. Should be fun to talk to him about the Twins and a bunch of other stuff. Until then, I'm Michael Rand. See you again on Friday.